Hi, my name is Rick Bloodworth. This is the Common Sense Christian Channel, and I want to start today's lesson off with a true story that occurred when I was about 15 years old. I was about four years older than my little sister, Nancy, and we got along pretty good, but we were typical siblings, and so there were times when we said things we probably shouldn't have said to each other, and this was one of those occasions because I called my little sister a moron. Well, I'm not sure exactly what kind of reaction I was expecting. I did expect to get a little bit of a rise from her, but I wasn't expecting this because she clenched her fists and she said, It's not nice to make fun of other people's religions. (laughs) And then she said, Some of my best friends are morons. Well... I I couldn't disagree with her on that, but I had to explain to her I wasn't making fun of a religion. I was just making fun of people who weren't as bright as perhaps they should have been. Well, Nancy was 11 years old and, and didn't quite understand that. Now she's probably got an IQ higher than most people do, so she certainly is no moron, but she missed the point of that. On the other hand... I wasn't that gentle when I was talking with her in the first place. But there are times where things escalate in ways that we really don't expect them to simply because we have said something that we knew we shouldn't have said in the first place. And this is one of the, I believe, most important areas of our life in the area of getting along with one another and learning how to respond to one another. In Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Well, I was talking to my wife about this, Carolyn, the other day, and and she was remembering a time when she was a brand new mother, and, and our little boy could certainly wear on her patience from time to time. And there would be times she would catch herself just getting out of control, where she would start raising her voice at him, and she would just get louder and louder to the point where she just found herself boiling mad. And she discovered that when she would turn down the volume, she would also turn down her anger. Now, there were some things, certainly, that that our little boy could make you mad about, and you had a right to be mad about. But this gentle answer sometimes is not just for the other person. Sometimes it helps us to keep our anger in check. Well, we've all seen that, haven't we? We've seen a teacher that that had a right to be mad, but they just kept getting louder and louder until they were out of control, or a coach who used to yelling but just really starts getting to the point where his yelling becomes abusive, and there comes a point you just have to stop and, and get control of yourself because that gentleness is not just for the other person, not just for the person that we're talking to, But that gentle answer will also lower the temperature within us. It will lower our anger. And it will also help us to then be able to have conversations that we need to have that can be more productive. One of the things that that is so important for us as Christians to remember is what we're here for on earth. Jesus spoke about this in Matthew 22 and, and, and verse 35. He was talking 
to an expert in the law, and the expert in the law asked him what the most important commandment was, and, and he told him that the greatest commandment was to love God with all your heart and soul and strength, and that the second command was like this, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, when we love our neighbors as ourself, we're going to be a lot more gentle with them, aren't we? We want people to treat us well. One of the reasons is we know what our motives are, and we know when we mean harm and when we don't mean any harm. And, and we hope that people will give us the benefit of the doubt, because sometimes they misunderstand us. But this loving our neighbor as ourself will cause us to have the same respect for them that we hope that they'll have for us. And that will cause us, hopefully, in reflection, to be a little more gentle in our conversation with one another. Jesus pointed out that the Son of Man, talking about himself, had come into this world to seek and save the lost. Well, think about that for a moment. His mission on earth, we know for a fact, was to come and to give himself as a sacrifice and then to be raised from the dead so that we someday could also take part in a resurrection. But, but his but the reason he went through all that was not just to die and, and raise to live again. It was so that he could save those who were lost. And so the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. When Jesus left this world after he had died and had resurrection resurrected, well, he came back and he appeared before his 11 disciples that were left, and he gave them what a lot of people have referred to as the Great Commission. It's found in Matthew chapter 28, and it starts in verse 18, where Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And then he said, Lo, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. Well, that's really an important task that he has left behind, first for the apostles and now for those of us who are Christians who continue with this mission to seek and save the lost, to go into all the world and, and to preach the good news with, with the hope of gaining disciples for Christ, not for ourselves. One of the problems that I believe a lot of people have with modern-day religion is how possessive some religions and religious leaders seem to be towards uh, the, the followers of that religion or the adherents. And, and, and sometimes there seems to be a, almost a competition to get members or to steal this group, this group's people from, from another group. What do we think we're doing when we're doing that? Aren't we trying to do our best to come into contact with the truth and help other people to come into contact with the truth? We, we get to the point where, where our words become harsh because we become sometimes very competitive. And, and it's ridiculous because we're, we're becoming competitive for the souls of those who belong to God in the first place. Shouldn't we rather be trying to encourage people to read the Bible for themselves and find out for themselves the truth that is contained within the Bible so that they can do those things that they read in the Bible, 
that will allow them to come into the saving, into contact with the saving blood of Christ, that will allow them to fall under the grace of God. Because while God's grace is extended to everybody, it's not accepted by everybody because he does have terms associated with that. The grace is freely offered. This is true. But the acceptance of that does come with conditions. There are certain things you and I must do. There are certain ways that we have to conduct ourselves, And we find these things within the scripture. And so as we talk about trying to bring people to Christ, this is, this is what our motive should be. And I believe when we start trying to do that, rather than trying to get members for ourselves or whatever group that we think we're part of, but instead we try to get people to accept the gospel, the good news, to where when they've obeyed the gospel, God can add them to his church, to Christ's church. I think that's going to be one of the points where we start uh, to get along with our fellow man a whole lot better. And this is the point, I believe, that we can start having a gentleness about our conversation. And so when we talk about a gentle answer turns away wrath, this is so important, not just for our personal relationships, but it's also important with our relationships with those that, that we're trying to encourage to come to Christ. After it says a gentle answer turns away wrath, it goes on to say a harsh word stirs up anger. And we know we're not going to accomplish a lot with anybody or win anybody over to our side or more accurately to Christ's side if we're mad at each other. I can remember a long time ago when I was just about to begin preaching. It's been, I guess, over three decades ago now or about that. And I was talking to to a preacher who I really uh, admired and respected, still do to this day. He was a really good Bible student, and and therefore he was very good in his studies with other people, trying to get them into contact with the truths in God's Word. And I just asked him, what's the the secret for for the way that you study with people? Because you seem to have such success in, in, in convincing people that they need to turn their lives over to Christ. And and his his response was something I've always remembered because he said, when you're studying with them, you want to get them in the same boat with you. You, you don't need to be going in opposite directions. Well, that picture of getting someone in the same boat really makes sense, doesn't it? When we talk about somebody that we're, that's interested in learning more about God and Christ, aren't we talking about somebody who wants to be in heaven someday? And since that's the case, since they want to be in heaven someday and we want to be in heaven someday, doesn't it make sense for us to be in the same boat rowing towards the same destination instead of being in separate boats rowing towards what we think is the same destination and hitting each other with our paddles as we go by, impeding them from getting to their destination? It's so important for us to make sure that we get along with people because we love them. Love your neighbor as yourself. And when we love them as ourselves, and when we love God in the way that we're supposed to, we're going to be a whole lot more effective in our relationships, talking with one another with gentle words, and also in in those relationships with people that that maybe we barely even know, but whom we're hoping to, to bring into contact with the truths in God's word. Then they can make up their own mind, can't they? 
We might disagree on certain things, but I'm convinced that the Bible is pretty clear. And since I'm convinced of, of that, and I, I'm also convinced that most people are pretty rational, and if somebody is trying to look at the Bible so they can find the right thing, I believe they're going to do so honestly. And so while it's true that in Bible studies we can certainly help one another come to, other, to a better understanding of the truth by maybe pointing out different passages that complement the, the area that we're studying, I'm really convinced that each one of us can figure this out on our own because we have incentive. We want to be with God in heaven someday. Now, when we realize that we want to be in, God, in heaven with God someday because we love God, and they want to be in heaven someday because they love God, then it makes it a lot easier to be gentle with one another in our conversation. In verse 2 of this same Proverbs, it says, The tongue of the wise man makes knowledge acceptable. Now, I love this idea because sometimes we are in possession of the truth, but we present the truth in such a harsh way that even though it's truth, even though it's knowledge, it's not acceptable to them. It's like we're trying to force something that should be good down their throat. Now, when I was a kid, I can remember being at the dinner table and being somewhat picky and and it really frustrating my dad. And so he would give me so much time to finish my meal. And if I didn't, he would force feed me that meal. I can only imagine my poor mother who had spent a good part of the day lovingly preparing this food for her family to enjoy. And then she had a picky son who, who turned his nose up at it. And then a husband who was forcing this food down his picky son's throat. Um, I, I imagine that that kind of hurt her feelings a little bit. But you get that picture of, of somebody forcing something down their throat and, and you realize very quickly that that's not probably the best way to do it. We have the good news. The good news should not have to be force-fed to somebody. If they don't accept it, then they don't accept it. There doesn't have to be a harshness. And if there isn't a harshness, but instead there's a gentleness, there's a very good possibility that even if someone doesn't accept the truth today, that they'll still be receptive to it later on because you haven't driven them away with a harsh answer. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. It's an understanding that what we're doing is the same thing as what they're doing. We're trying to find out what the truth is. And if we're both honest, if we find out that we have been mistaken, we're going to change because we want to do God's things in God's way. And when we have that common goal together, then as we study with one another, we're going to do so in a way that's going to make the truth much more acceptable to the ones that, that we're trying to teach and that, that we're, we're having the conversation with. After it says the mouth of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, it says, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. Years ago, it used to be very popular to have uh, debates amongst Christians. There, there would be different beliefs among the Christian community, and, and, and so the two different sides would get together and have debates. And some of these debates 
were very eagerly anticipated, especially before the time of, of all the home entertainment that we have today, the time before you could go to a movie, and certainly before the time of radio and television. And so these debates that occurred were of great interest to other people, and it was also something of a source of entertainment. And so these debates between people who differed religiously were, were often well attended. And, and the thing I liked about reading some of those debates was that they usually had a great deal of respect for one another. They, they weren't trying to treat each other as, as if they were too stupid to understand or as if they were an enemy that was trying to keep them from the truth. But rather, they would just try and present the facts that they were seeing, and then they would respectfully listen to the other person's side to see if they were, had some facts that they were missing. Well, now debates have turned into arguments, haven't they? You very rarely see a religious debate anymore. You might see a religious argument, but this is what's happened. Instead of making knowledge acceptable, the mouth of fools have begun to spout folly. And here they've taken the beautiful word of the good news of Jesus Christ, and they've made it unattractive. We can't do that. We really do have to be thinking about how we can best reach people. And if we're really concerned about their soul, and if we're really concerned about our having a correct understanding of the words because we're concerned about our soul, then we are going to have that camaraderie, that getting in the same boat with one another. And then look at this passage, or, or, or this next verse in, in Proverbs 15, now verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. Well, if we keep that in mind, 15-year-old boys are probably not going to be so quick to call their 11-year-old sisters morons, but they're, but they're obviously in our lives, uh, it's going to make an impact in our lives to the point where we're trying to do the right thing because we do know that God is looking and seeing what we're doing. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. Let's make sure we're on the good side. And then verse 4, it says this, A soothing tongue is the tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. Perversion is something that is unnatural within something. So if you have perverted the truth, you've brought something in it that's foreign to the truth, that's unnatural. And so you have this, a soothing tongue is a tree of life. A soothing tongue is going to be speaking the words of God in a pleasant way, not in a compromising way. This, please don't misunderstand the message of, of today suggesting that somehow we compromise with the truth. We don't have that right to do that. But we can still be speaking in a soothing way when we talk to people, even those we disagree with. And, and if we'll do that, we're going to be a whole lot more likely to influence them towards good, as they're going to be a whole lot more likely to convince us if we're wrong in some area. And isn't that what we want when we have Bible discussions? I, I've told uh, the congregation that I preached at for over 20 years this same thing over and over. I have no interest in being perceived as being right if I'm wrong. As a matter of fact, if I'm wrong, I hope that everybody can see that I'm wrong because there's nothing more dangerous than somebody who seems to be right when they're not. 
It's like if somebody's giving you directions to, to go to a place of safety, uh, but instead they give you directions that takes them off of the edge of the cliff. Even if they were sincere in their wrong directions, they're still taking that person instead of to safety, they're taking them towards destruction. We don't ever want people to think that we're right when we're wrong. We want to always try and make do our best to be preaching the truth in love so that we can help people to safety, to salvation, instead of to destruction. A soothing tongue will do that. A gentle answer will do that. But we do so with, with the continual effort to make sure that we are doing it towards the right thing. Perversion in it perverting the tongue, perverting your speech or your conversation crushes the spirit. And how many times have we seen that in, in class where a student gets the wrong answer and, and a teacher who may just be having a bad day, maybe a great teacher in every other aspect, but they've just had enough and they jump down the throat of their student and they crush their spirit. I've seen it with coaches over and over through the years where, where a coach who wants the kids to do the right thing doesn't deliver the message in the right way. And so they crush the spirit and they take the heart out of the kids and out of the team that they were wanting to do well. But now how are they going to do well if they've had the heart taken out of them? And it's especially important when we talk about uh, our conversations with others about Christ. Remember, Jesus came into this world to seek and save the lost, and he gave first his apostles and now us as Christians the commission to make disciples of all nations by not only baptizing them, but by also teaching them to obey everything he's commanded. We can only do that effectively if we are speaking in a soothing way the truth. If, if we have a perversion within our conversation, whether we've changed the truth or we've changed the tone of the way that it should be delivered, then we're going to crush people's spirits. And that doesn't just mean that we're going to make them a little bit sad. It could mean that they just give up on trying to find the truth altogether. And because of that, may end up being lost someday. Think about why it is that you believe what you believe about God. And, and when you get to that understanding, it's usually going to end up because this is what you read, this is what you believe, this is what you know that God has said, and this is what you know that he wants from those whom, who love him. And so if we can treat one another with that same respect and love, trying to guide them in the truth in a gentle, not harsh way, in a soothing, not crushing way, well, we're going to have a lot more success. And someday, because of that, because, because you have been able to bring the truth to somebody who perhaps didn't have the truth before, it may be that they come into, the con into contact with the saving grace of God and the saving blood of Jesus. But if we push him away, how can that ever happen? We want to be in heaven someday, and a big part of that is in loving God in the way we should and then loving our neighbor as we should. If we'll do that, I believe we're going to have a lot of success, and I believe our lives are going to be satisfying, and I believe you are going to be more popular because everybody loves somebody who treats them well and with respect. 
just use that status, whatever you want to call it, popularity or, or kind feelings uh, in God's service, and you'll have done something significant with your life. Well, that's the lesson for today. I hope it helps you. Uh, if, if, you have, uh, um, if this has helped you in any way, please like this, share it with other people, and subscribe to the channel. But until next time, I pray that God will richly bless you as you seek to serve him.